coffee also. I have not been feeling super hot, so uh, trying to bang these out. Although I, I think I uploaded an episode on Monday that I really enjoyed. I thought it was a really important thing to talk about. And now I wanted to do some uh, special kind of stuff, something that we did way back in the beginning. We talked about Disney and Pixar as uh, foundational American storytelling that had very much established an important mythology that kept us going for a long time, that Disney magic. So I wanted to see, I know Pixar, which was purchased by Disney, you know, what was it, late 90s or something like that. I wanted to see where it has ended up because I have missed the last couple. I know there were a couple that came out. There's one, there's some like purple kids on a road trip or something, and there was the jazz one, and then this one came out, Luca, most recently, as far as I know. And because I had upgraded my phone, I got <laughs> Disney Plus. I wouldn't otherwise support them, so I'm going to try to uh, get through those while I have access to that for a year. So this is Luca. Of course, Pixar has a track record of some of the greatest works of film in American history and some of the most meaningful work, you know, uh, works like Up, Toy Story, you know, that's a big one, of course. What else? I mean, there's WALL-E. What are the super high quality ones? I don't know. So obviously they've been going for a while and this is where they have landed. And I feel like it's the end of an era. <laughs> It's kind of worse than not great. It is extremely forgettable. It's really retreading so much that it has been done. So just to give you the basic storyline of Luca. So you have a monster fish kid who's under the sea and he wants to be where the people are. But he's not supposed to go to the surface. And then he runs into another random monster fish kid who has been going up on the surface. So there's this really basic setup. A thing that we've seen a hundred million times, obviously, oh no, that's forbidden, and then, okay, I'm gonna go. Obviously, that uh, returns over and over again. And then when they go to the surface, these uh, fish monster kids, they magically, for some reason, they turn into people when they go into the sun or where they're not covered in water. So then we get some shenanigans, and part of the structure, obviously, is the parents who are unhappy about this, and I think there's Jim Gaffigan does one of the voices. I tried to listen to his stand-up. I just do not. I think he just does funny voices. That's the primary modus operandi of him trying to be funny. Anyway, everything for this movie is underdeveloped. It spends so little time actually making a world of the underwater. It's not special in any way. It doesn't have any kind of unique properties. They don't explore that at all. It might as well have just been a normal kid who ran away, and his parents were just trying to find him as he was going along doing all these things. The stakes, too, are extremely weak, because the thing that they're trying to do, they want a Vespa. And this is supposed to be, you know, symbolic of freedom, but it still doesn't have any kind of weight for purposes of stakes in this kind of a movie. Because all they, they want to do, they want to get this Vespa. And there's no reason to think that it has some kind of particular significance because it doesn't have any other attachments. So I could see how they develop the story. It's the writer for Coco, I believe. Obviously, I hated that movie. <laughs> That's not to slight the animators. Uh, they're, the animators at Pixar do some incredible work. But I can see how they developed the story. They just went to Italy. They took some cultural markers like fishing and Vespas. And then they built an entire movie around it. The characters are empty and forgettable. There's the generic nice kid who's the protagonist. There's a generic troubled kid and a generic female friend. Generic concerned parents and a generic forbidden area. This is most certainly not, you know, the kind of movie magic that you'd hope from this particular studio. It felt really meandering and unimportant. It spent so much time, I think it was a two-hour movie, too. It spent so much, I had to watch it in two sittings. But it spent so much time 
just in the Italian town, and the only thing that they really had was, are the kids going to get splashed with water? You know, there were, uh, I mean, there was at least one gag that kind of worked. It was when the parents were running around trying to find their kid, and they were throwing all the kids in water. But other than that, it was, it was really weakly written. You know, I tried to just give it the benefit of the doubt toward the end and just get into it in some way, but I was just mostly bored. The world is really shallow. There are very few moving parts. Like I said, there's nothing to the underwater world, and nothing really materialized out of this thing. Now remember, we read that biography of Disney a while ago, and it was great to see how obsessively Disney and his team worked on those early films. But this, much like Moana and Coco... Like I said, the animators did their artwork, especially in Moana. It was just beautiful. But the writers were seriously not up to the task. And this just seems like Pixar and the movie Magic. I know there were, there were issues with John Lasseter, who was uh, one of the major producers and directors at Pixar. And he uh, had some misconduct allegations, and I think he was terminated from the company. But he was kind of central to a lot of uh, the Pixar movies. But this really feels like it's just been kind of swallowed in the corporate system. You know, uh, Disney itself has just become this machine that buys up everything. It bought Marvel, it bought Pixar, bought a Fox, bought a whole bunch of things. And so the things that used to be created out of inspiration, you know, whether it's from Pixar or whether it's uh, Disney Studios itself, we just don't really have that anymore. So, really disappointing, and there have been a number of disappointments. Uh, I know we watched Frozen at some point and talked about it, and you could absolutely see the seams in that one. It was really, really popular. You know, it was a big deal when it came out, and all the kiddies loved it. But it's actually really weak storytelling. You know, beautiful images, lots of beautiful images, but it's really weak storytelling. Uh, just like in this one, and Moana and Coco, just really weak storytelling. So they've had a number of chances. <laughs> and I don't know, the jazz one could be good, and the other one with the purple people could be good. But I, I'm not sure what they're going to do from here, what, how they're going to try to reinvigorate that inspiration. I wonder if uh, Disney is kind of struggling at the moment after the whole pandemic thing. And not having the big releases in the same way, and then like they had Mulan, the live-action Mulan, they're doing all these live-action movies, and how they were selling it on the app, uh, so you had to pay like $30 to buy it on the app when you were already paying for the app. But I'm sure there's some struggles going on over at Disney, but I just don't see any kind of inspiration going on anymore. It's not about that movie magic. So anyway, that is Luca. And I just wanted to kind of track the decline of something that was so vital, so important, and so meaningful leading up to the year 2000 and a couple of steps away from it. It just, it definitely feels like we are, we don't have those stories anymore. We just don't have stories that we get to share that can bring us along. And that could have a, a huge effect on whether we can have a shared substrate and be able to speak in the same language you know, when it comes to values and what's important and... Uh, and references, I mean, now there's just, there's so much out there. But anyway, so that was, that was Luca, this coffee house, and I will see you on the next one. Mm -hmm.